So uh, he now wants to point out the crisis of secularism, right? This is when we take God out of the picture, mm-hmm. right? So we now have come to a place, he says, where skepticism about God, and especially any attempt at constructing a theodicy, rules the day. The Christian narrative of creation and fall, let alone redemption, is a fantastic myth, he tells us, perpetrated by deluded religionists refusing to uh, adapt to the cold, hard reality (laughs) of the impersonal, godless, brutal, materialistic zeitgeist of modernity, right? right? So, wow. (laughs) I mean, we all know Voltaire for his words, so there's, there's a reason that this comes about. So in the, in the old world, God was essential to one's self-understanding. He sat atop the pyramid, establishing truth and meaning, and we creatures stood subservient to his claims. We're mere creatures. He's the creator. Having that understanding works well. Uh, you see it um, carried out in the family unit. You see it carried out in churches, uh, how, how things are structured there. You see it uh, with, with the incarnation. Um, and so that, that ideal carries through to other aspects. So that's what the Christian world worldview tries to say and to, to upend that uh, we might have ramifications if if uh, if that's kind of the natural order so god uses used uh, to function as a central explanatory concept as cause and purpose the idea of god shaped a whole host of disciplines into a more comprehensive and coherent worldview there's our coherency yeah. again that we learned from our last book now that the uh, creature had been severed from the creator we live in a nova effect uh, in which an explosion of bewildering options for ascertaining meaning and purpose confronts us. Okay, so God doesn't exist. The universe uh, at this time is just is. There, there's no creation point in, in, in our understanding here um, other than, the, oh, okay, there might have been a cause, but the solid state universe is, is tends to be before the Big Bang comes about. Uh, in each case, the self replaces God atop the pyramid while sorting through all claims to truth and meaning and then determining what one prefers most. I think this works out. I like this one. This one appeals to me for my sense of right. uh, abject pleasure or my sense of uh, rigorous uh, uh, self-loathing. Uh, and so and somebody else likes might. something else and a different person likes yeah. something, a yeah. third thing. I right? like the things that I don't like because I think they make me stronger. Therefore, <laughs> I like to go after things I don't like. God might be one option for so many people, uh, but an unlikely one. Mm, mm, yeah. And so, you know, if, if humans are free, right, that is, and God does not exist, then we face a terrifying loneliness. And so this is the idea of the uh, crisis for our secular age, right? Humanity can no longer depend on some greater transcendental authority. We must now create our own meaning, what uh, Nietzsche called the will to power. And so this became an awful responsibility given the hopeless plight of man in the absence of God's death, death of God, uh, the frightful reality of creating significance is too daunting for most of us. So notice what's happened here is once we we become king, reason rules, we're on the top of the pyramid, God is pushed out, in fact, maybe even doesn't exist. Now we're on our own to find meaning and purpose of life, and we realize that this is an awful, he tells us, Nietzsche, uh, an awful um, responsibility, Right. So um, Nietzsche saw the stark reality that without God, there is no goodness left in the world, no discernible purpose of life. Mm -hmm. 
uh, nihilism is the only true heir of atheism. Yeah. Uh, again, going back to the things I've been uh, relearning for space, you have Yuri Gagarin, first first man in space, the Russians. Uh, you have uh, his worldview as, uh, um, and some might attribute the the quote to him uh, through uh, through communism, through through this uh, socialism that uh, the USSR was engaged in. Goes out into space, comes back. What do you see? I saw no God out there. <laughs> then you have Apollo eight, the first uh, man mission to the moon, circulates the moon, and they read from Genesis one. Yeah. And so there you have that that clash of ideas of here they're looking at it through a political system where. Uh, you know, uh, religion is the opiate of the masses. And so, uh, you know, shirk off all those chains and, and the workers of the world unite and throw off the old ideals and, <laughs> and come to, to come to this understanding where you essentially are your own God, except you replace God with the state and that becomes a, a big issue. And so you see the cold and vastness of space and then others come and they see the, the earth, everyone who uh, who is existing uh, you know, they can cover it up with their thumb. Yeah, and, and it's see beauty, beauty and it's majesty yeah. and, and all of they, this. They don't and, see any lines yeah. on, on the globe and they see yeah. the u- unification of humanity rather than the split. Again, worldview yeah. matters. And, yeah, and so it leads them to say, wow, what a God, yeah. right? As opposed to, I don't see a God, yeah, right? right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And so uh, we move on to uh, the next section here which is the, the, the present crisis of a meaning and evil. Mm. So Nietzscheism, uh, his nihilism, anticipated the, the present crisis of meaning, which is impressive. <laughs> so, but we're in a crisis. We're in a crisis of meaning here. The, the, the red lights are going off. We've got the whoop whoop siren. We're in a crisis of meaning. We're in it more than any uh, could be imagined. Uh, philosopher Brian uh, Mage, Mage? Uh, speaks of the fear of what he calls the void of eternal nothingness that awaits those who die. Uh, well, we just die, we cease to exist. And now you, know, you look into the void and sometimes the void looks back, except this void doesn't look back. It just is, 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 it, it isn't there. Uh, his fear of disintegrating into the void at death is the cause of another fear, the meaningless attached to life. Mm. I'm going to uh, build this business up. I'm going to have 14 children. I'm going to, um, make them all entrepreneurs themselves, and then I die, and nothing really matters. Yeah. And, uh, you, you're, and who you're knows given maybe, what's going to happen? You're, right? you're given yeah. maybe what three generations, and and you know how many people know uh, uh, Rockefeller g- gave us light to exist after six p.m. that caused more people to read than ever. No, no, he's just some fat cat guy who <laughs> did some bad things, and you know maybe also some good things, and got us on oil. Okay, sure, but yeah. he also did that, but we're slowly losing that. And that was only a hundred years ago. Who, who, who look in your own family tree, you know, you know, your grandparents, you might know your great grandparents. You might know one generation back. If you've studied your family history, who do you know before that? Yeah. Everyone passes away. Yeah. Everyone winks out of existence in memory. Even if it's written down, someone has to rediscover that or care or write something and get it out to more people. But even then, so your footnote in history, you're a name on a page. What have you done? What does life matter? Right. We're all we're all nothing in the end. <laughs> and so, so he says this. So ever, I've, I've, I've filled us with hope. Continue yeah. this large book. <laughs> <laughs> he says this ever nagging fear tends to lead people straight back to the God that the West has desperately tried to uh, to erase. Right. Because we realize that, you know, this meaninglessness, this void, as, uh, you know, this philosopher suggested, um, uh, is is fearful, uh, you know, and it, and it results in nihilism. And so it leads us, he says, back to God. Death 
is the most poignant reminder of the ever-present specter of evil in the world. It is arguably the most fearsome of all evils, right? Death, right? Because now all of it, if there's no God, it's all over. Right? So the Old Testament points to it. You know, vanity, if anything, everything's vanity, then we all die. Uh, you know, the wages of sin is death. I mean, it, it's not, oh, the wages of sin is a really hard life. Yeah. <laughs> and so you just need to just have that positive influence on your life, and you can be living your best life now. No, the wages of sin is death. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, uh, evil, no matter how much we wish to suppress it, he tells us, um, it implicates, uh, uh, you know, that God, right? It drives us to God for answers, a God that we instinctively know looms larger than uh, the pain that this world seeks to crush us with. Right. right? So the crisis of secularization, with all its uh, muddiness and uncertainty about meaning, ethics, and values, has magnified the problem of evil so that even confident believers in God face unprecedented struggles. Uh, look at the early church. What, what did they have to contend with? Slavery, uh, being ostracized from the, 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 the only thing that tied them together. It wasn't the, the Internet age. You didn't, you didn't have resources outside. You had the resources of your friends and your family, and you're going to break away to join this cult called Christianity, the way Oh, that sounds very culty, and it, no, no, we have thousands of years of, of synagogue history here. <laughs> come, come back into the fold, and so the, you know they had to face that, or uh, you know the bubonic plague, the the Black Death, all, all these things that that uh, that people experience, even when uh, Christianity is is well known, they have to face these struggles. So as a result, then a contemporary Western society appears to have more difficulty f- facing pain and suffering than any other culture in history. Moderns have lost the capacity for grappling with evil. So in the East, when you say, you know, uh, uh, good, evil, it's just the two sides of the same coin. You have to look at the evil and good and the good and evil. You have to find the balance. You have to find the, the, the force. Uh, and, and then you go and uh, reach nirvana. Uh, well, there, evil is just a thing to kind of find the balance to and, and find the good in. And, um, then, uh, you know, then, then your scales balance and you reach the next plane of existence. Mm-hmm. But for us, and then you throw out God on top of that, what, what do you do with that? And so the, here's the crisis that, that uh, uh, Christensen's talking about. Here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, even in the West, people in, in the past faced, he says, far greater daily tragedies than we do today. <laughs> uh, yet they had better mental resources to handle them, right? Loss, pain, suffering, violence, and death were far more common in their direct experiences in the past, yet... Uh, they created far less anxiety, he tells us. Yeah. Evil and suffering were accepted as a normal part of life, right? Today, he tells us, suffering is a strange intrusion, right? And, uh, to be avoided at all costs. We're more shocked and undone by suffering than were our ancestors. Yeah. We're more uh, connected than ever before with the internet and that sort of thing, social media, smart devices. Yet we yeah. face, he tells us, an epidemic of loneliness even though we're more connected. Uh, interminable bouts of stress, anxiety, acute uh, panic attacks are increasingly the norm as they increase, right? Yeah. And so, um, um, you know, we what he's suggesting here is once we've pushed God out of the picture, we lose the resources that we have to deal with evil, 
right? So now evil is even a greater problem uh, than it was when, when we, you know, when God was in the picture, <laughs> right. right? We yeah. have no resources, and we expect things to be fine. We expect to be able to overcome things, but um, uh, we can't. And so we're in this crisis, he tells us, right? Yeah. I, I had parents that uh, um, followed the MPAA guidelines of if, if you were under 17, you, you couldn't go see a rated R movie. Saving Private Ryan came out. I really want to see this. Saving Private Ryan, this is amazing. I love World War II history. And so I got permission to go with them to go see it. And they were concerned about witnessing the violence. Mm. And it was ironic because I I was probably 16 or so when it came out. Uh, So two more years, and I could have been the same men who were old enough to go over there and fight and see the death and suffering. And so it's funny that here's 80 years later, and they're concerned about me witnessing in in my understanding, like my very cognitive form of understanding, this is a movie meant to portray realistic things and done well. Of course, we all, uh, you know, if you've watched Stephen Bright Ryan, you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how great even that opening scene is, yeah, and yeah. and it just it makes you feel things. Um, but then, okay, go to Black Death, where something like thirty percent of the entire world's population is dying at your feet, and you're raising kids life continues on, you know, life finds a way type deal. <laughs> and, and you have kids that see death and death kind of, it, it becomes a wash to them. And here now we're saying like, Oh, you know, if, if, if your kids are on YouTube and they see, you know, um, war torn nations, but that removes us from then seeing the, the, the vis- visceralness of war if we don't see it. And so, um, there's a good Star Trek episode where, where, where Kirk uh, essentially launches a, a, a hot war after a, a cold war where they would kill their own sides so that, uh, you know, a, a culture was preserved and the violence wasn't there. And he's like, no, no, war needs to be violent so you can see why you don't just kill people and, and, and you, you work towards a common peace. Uh, one of my favorite Star Trek episodes. So there's my Star Trek <laughs> reference for this yeah. episode. Uh, so just, just uh, again, that, that dealing with it, and, and he goes on um, uh, throughout this chapter here of, of, of kind of saying, like, we don't like death, but once de- death is faced with us, uh, we have to come to terms with what that means. And, 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 and part of the problem he's raising is that it's, uh, it's, uh, we can't come to terms right, with right? Right, right, not That's, by ourselves. Yeah, yeah, so this is, yeah. So um, uh, secularization has shifted the focus to uh, personal esteem, uh, affluence, comfort, health, pleasure, and satisfaction. Oh, you know, my phone uh, will only boot up in four seconds. It needs to be faster. Yeah. And I I really have a hard life because four-second boot up time. Why am I even booting up my phone? I have to to charge my phone too? Oh, gross. All to be... Uh, showered on us instantly. Uh, you know, uh, Louis C.K., if, if you don't listen to him, that's fine. Uh, he has this, this um, um, uh, bit where he talks about um, being in an airplane and, and getting on the internet fine. But the internet's kind of bad and it keeps dropping out. And he's just, he's just like, oh, this is, this is terrible. I hate this. <laughs> but he's like, you didn't even know you could access the internet from essentially space in a flying machine. And so he, the, the juxtaposition in his head. And, and of course, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he does a lot funnier than, than I would. Uh, but, but, you know, we, we come to that, that, that point in, in our lives of comfort and we just, we, we have no concept of what uncomfortable, uncomfortable is or in comparison with what other people face. So unfortunately, all the mechanisms with which our secular age has provided us for surviving the onslaught of pain and suffering are failing. You know, oh, oh, go to, uh, go to the psychiatrist. Oh, but they're going to 
not invalidate your your pain, and so you uh, you um, go into it, or you have to do extreme measures to to uh, cut out people in your life. Well, I don't want to cut out those those people in my life. Well, it, they're they're bad for your health or whatever. So um, you know, it just the, the the options provided to us don't seem to be working. We we're the most heavily medicated uh, uh, group of people. More people die from prescription medication than they do from illegal narcotics. Uh, you know, we're 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 so affluent. We're 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 the um, we we have the most uh, nutrients that leave our body without our body absorbing it, which you know offer you know uh, Columbus's people of of uh, you know of, uh, a lime, and you know they would wouldn't get scurvy that way. Yeah, but yeah. we don't we don't face that uh, yeah. here in the West. We're bloated with limes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I can get a lime in the middle of the frozen tundra of Michigan anytime that I want to, and and that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know it's just you know oh uh, 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 I I talk with someone who who um, takes. Um, different fruits and vegetables and, and pies and stuff and gives them to pigs afterwards. It's like, oh, uh, were these like going bad? No, it's they're just a little blemished and people don't aren't going to get them that have like right. a little bruise on them. Right. But it's still fine. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. people don't like yeah. that, that. That's how picky we become. So <laughs> once catastrophe comes knocking on our door, we don't know how to answer. Venturing outside our safe spaces, we are paralyzed. What's more, uh, we are paralyzed inside our safe spaces yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, so it's paralyzed all all the way down, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so the last section here in this particular <laughs> chapter, he asked the question: You know, given all of this, is a theodicy possible? Right? right. He says, in a post-Christian and post-Enlightenment era, many have supposed that attempting to address the problem of evil with theodicy—that is, justifying God's ways. Is in, in the evil, right? Yeah. Is futile, right? Yeah. But the reason why suffering seems acutely more miserable today, he tells us, than ever before, has precisely to do with the marginalization of God, right, and the resources that biblical Christianity provides us to face evil. So once we pushed again, once we push God out of the way, uh, to the side, or even out of the picture. We lose the resources that we had to deal with with the evil right. that we're going through. Right? Uh, he has this, has this line in here is that uh, we live under the false pretenses of a tattered coexist bumper sticker. Wow! And and uh, <laughs> uh, you know uh, over the the past uh, uh, you know it's twenty twenty one. If if you're watching this in the future, uh, welcome to the future. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot less of those coexist bumper stickers uh, in the past four years. So mm, yeah. that's uh, that's been an interesting. Uh, observation, I guess, uh, uh, come to light. Uh, in a cosmic uh, construct in which humanity lies at the gravitational center, God's goodness is reduced to having human tranquility as the highest goal. We need to be at peace. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, the genie phenomenon. I, I, I need to craft a, a wish so good that the, the genie can't upend me. Yeah. And, and I can do that. Well, no, every story of, uh, you know, of the, the real version of the genie, uh, you, you never get your way. <laughs> when the goal seems unachievable, disillusionment quickly sets in. We used to understand that we were limited and vulnerable. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Romans went, um, you know, to, to their, their champion. They had a guy uh, uh, follow him in his chariot and whisper in his ear, you are mortal, you are mortal. That's, that's not happening anymore. <laughs> and this made it easier to see God through the fog of pain. There was hope. There was there was a, a coming uh, out the other end in this. Uh, there was a, a a purpose for going through this. Uh, you know, James talks about um, you know uh, 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 being thankful in our pain. Well, how do we do that? It's 
it's because we're not at the, the apex there. God's yeah. at the apex. Yeah. Ironically, once we conceive ourselves as being without limits and able to escape our acute vulnerability, it makes the unavoidable suffering we experience in this world all the more excruciating. Yeah, I'm supposed to be able to overcome this. I'm supposed to be able to get out of this situation. Yeah. So what about death? Are you, are you supposed to be able to see? Right. So the meaninglessness, the purposelessness, the futility that we find ourselves in without God mm-hmm. is the struggle that he's trying to help us to see. Look at the, the gyms that we go to. Why do we go to gyms? Well, for most of us, we're all overweight and or we're, we're bloated and we have no clue about nutrition. So we think lifting a few weights uh, every, every other day will get us muscle. Or if we're really into it, we're there for the physique. But who's lifting weights to be able to move heavy things? Yeah, that, yeah. that that's originally what they were designed for. Uh, you know, the, now we're 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 sculpting and we're cutting out water. Well, that's, to, yeah, to, that's to what the veins. muscles should be yeah, designed right. should should allow yeah. us to do but, right. But yeah. the, there, there's that that up endlessness of 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 okay. Well, now now we're at a point where even even the things that help us uh, build a creation, a bit, build up this creation, uh, now we're using it for vanity purpose for yeah. for looking at oh yeah. that's nice to look at yeah he's he's a nice looking guy yeah he's a nice looking <laughs> yeah. gal yeah. <laughs> so he tells us that as religion religion obviously goes away right we've pushed it away but evil does not thus our age is far from uh, settling into a comfortable unbelief contrary to the zeitgeist of western uh secularism human beings cannot bear to accept that life is meaningless. We just can't accept it. He's he's suggesting here. We're uh, we are uh, consummate seekers of transcendent purpose, mm. which uh, again leads us to God, um, a, a God that's greater than the ones that we have you know kind of feebly constructed uh, over the last uh, three hundred years. So he says that this means that not only is a theodicy possible, right? Because we find ourselves in this condition. Uh, but it has been made urgent by the forces that have brought us to the present crisis of secularization. Right? We need an explanation. We need a theodicy. Yeah. Hey, right? How about that? So to establish a coherent and satisfying uh, theodicy, however, we must return to a countercultural theology grounded in scripture. Oh man, we're going back to the old yeah, ways. Yeah. Mm, all right. <laughs> back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it strips away uh, the. Uh, assertions of modern and postmodern uh, speculation about the nature of God. The revisionist God will not do. And he has a really good just breakdown in, in here that uh, that even the footnotes I've highlighted in, in some <laughs> sections because uh, they're just really good. He, I mean, as, as Christensen comes out as a preacher in, in, in the later half of, of this chapter here. And, and nowhere has the revisionist God flourished more greatly than in the evangelicism, which David Wells has chronicled so painfully and thoroughly. He laments, uh, and here's the quote, the fundamental problem in the evangelical world today is that God rests too inconsequentially upon the church. His truth is too distant. His his grace is too ordinary. His judgment is too benign. His gospel is too easy, and his Christ is too common. So you just invite everyone in. We're all having a potluck. Live your best life now. (laughs) It's about health, wealth, prosperity. That's where we want to be. We want no pain, uh, you know. Uh, if, if, if God were to tell us to move, it's, it's so that we can get greater wealth out of it. That's, yeah. that's what we want to do. We want to have ease and zero pain minus all the things that you read in scripture. <laughs> and, and again, I, I, you know, I, I go back to Lord of the Rings on this. It, 
no one wants to read that book where the Eagles come at the beginning and, and go, we, we, why do we love so much that storyline? Why do we read these stories of even Beowulf and, and this overcoming, uh, you know, the, the witch or uh, Arthurian uh, uh, legend where, you know, his best friend betrays him. We like that kind of turn. It's because it's, it's through that, that we see the characters of the characters uh, come, come out. Yeah. Yeah. And so the question is, does God stand at our beck and call? Right, which we, you know, modern yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christianity seems to suggest, right? right? Is it his responsibility to prevent or even remove evil to restore our personal trans, uh, tranquility, right? If so, if that's the case, if that's what God is supposed to do, he's failed. <laughs> he says, now, he doesn't wish right. to somehow minimize or trivialize suffering, but as long as the problem of evil is viewed from this anthropomorphic perspective, he says, we will pursue answers that do not satisfy, answers that will cast us deeper into the pit, answers that will restrict our gaze um, uh, with regard to gazing at God. And he kind of in here uh, levels a, a brief criticism even of C.S. Lewis, mm. right? He says, um, he says uh, even C.S. Lewis's way of framing the problem of evil kind of betrays this, right? Uh, and he likes to assume that it's unintentionally. <laughs> He's, so here's, this, here's uh, how C.S. Lewis uh, frames it here. Uh, the man-centered shift that even evangelicals have so easily absorbed into our uh, distorted brand of um, uh, modern theism. Recall that Lewis said, if God were good... He would wish to make his creatures perfectly happy. And if God were almighty, he would be able to do what he wished. But the creatures are not happy, therefore God lacks either goodness or the power or both. And he says here that this assumes that God exists for us yeah. instead of existing for himself, right? Does God, you know, does he exist for us or or do we exist for him really is the question, right? Right. And so he says, as long as the problem of evil is viewed from this perspective, um, then we uh, we lose the power that we can have in trusting in God. If evil coexists with a God of unfathomable glory, he tells us, then um, it can in no way diminish that glory. So right. that's why he tells us to return to Scripture to see if, if this is the God who reveals himself, let's see what he reveals so that we're not taking C.S. Lewis or... Tolkien or, or whoever it might be of of the idea of uh, oh well you know uh, hell is just a, a, a lock cage from the inside and you can always get out but they never do uh, let let's more go with scripture and what's presented to us through special revelation than than what we have of kind of this wishful thinking because it seems to have perversed us down this road into uh, uh, Kind of this false intellectualism of I've, I've I've thought of God and if I were God I wouldn't I wouldn't have done this and we see this in nature therefore God doesn't exist. Right. And, oh. so, and so congratulations, yeah. <laughs> you're a terrible God. Yeah. <laughs> and so clearly, then uh, you know somehow he says if 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 this is the type of God that really does exist, this God of glory, then somehow evil must serve in some way to highlight God's glory. Right. And so he ends the chapter. On that particular, uh, on that particular note, right? yes. And uh, as always, he does uh, end the chapter with key terms and study questions, and also uh, further reading. Both uh, kind of get wet your whistle and 
uh, advanced reading. So uh, we always appreciate that, including notes at the bottom of the page where they belong at the foot. <laughs> um, so thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll uh, pick up on chapter three next time. And uh, thanks for, uh, for supporting us, for watching and uh, learning about uh, evil and how to combat it, I guess. Yeah. See, See you next time. time.